Lord is good. What a powerful time with him in worship. And I think I'll talk about that here in a minute, but I need a minute to stop shaking. It's good to be back. Michael and I just got back from Nigeria. We were there for, well, the whole trip was 10 days. We were there for, I guess, about six days, seven days, something like that. It was a great trip. And I want to shout out to everybody who is watching us live there. Michael and I were sitting with you just just days ago. In fact, this time last week, I was sitting next to all the kids. Tefa and Ajuma have five children, and they, they are all there on campus, and, and it was awesome. It was just awesome to watch them worship, not knowing the words, but starting to pick up the words, and, and it was just, it was amazing. Things going on there in Nigeria are, on the outside, very difficult. In fact, Beth sent me this morning of another attack last night and one the night before just in our area, and I, this is just off the top of my head, but I believe there were 25 or something like that between the two that, that were killed. But where the work is happening, God is just bringing breakthrough in amazing ways. Just amazing ways. The campus is alive with people, with Rabbits? <laughs> yeah, we, we had, we had animal, we, we have uh, uh, one of the guys who is part of our team is across the street. He's our neighbor named Francis. And he has these two rabbits that apparently they come over because we feed them. <laughs> I don't know, but I've never, I've never met rabbits that actually eat chicken bones. But that's what they do. Maybe these are not normal rabbits. I don't know. But they're adorable. And then chickens will come over. We're, we're just waiting. When the first goat comes over, he's probably not going to make it home. Because Beth wants a goat so bad that she will just tie him up and keep him. But this, this trip, we were able to do so much. We bought the, the lot that's next door to us because we need to raise some of our own chickens, and we've all talked about this, and, and, and I've shared with you what we're going to do there. So it's huge. Probably the fastest thing that has ever happened in Nigeria, ever, was buying this land. Hey, Michael, make a call. I offered them one, three last time we were here. We never heard anything. So make a call and, and just see what they say. We called, and they said Yes. By that afternoon, we had signed the paperwork. Okay, it's usually faster in the United States. And this happened literally in hours. It, it was extraordinary. And much is ha- happening there at the compound. Uh, many things that, that started that I'll talk about um, maybe, maybe in the weeks to come. But God is moving in amazing, amazing ways. I got to tell you this story. This this was pretty funny to me. We have a radio system 
They're on the compound that is similar to what the police use here. In fact, they're, they're those types of radios, uh, security and police here. We, we got them from uh, a, a dear friend of my father that my father used to do some work for. He would let us have all their, their ones that needed slight repairs. My dad would repair them. We'd send them over there. So that's what we use over there. These insane, they're like $4,000 radios. That's what we use over there. So Corey, being the guy that he is, military-minded, he, he decides we're going to teach everybody how to use the radio in the correct fashion, and we're going to give them names. Okay, Corey is Overwatch. Our security team is Striker. You see where I'm going with this. Corey has this mind frame of what their position is, is what the name is. And so they, they all get these cool names, like Tafa, his name is Interface, because that's what he does. He interfaces between our culture and theirs. He, 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 uh, since he's been full-time with us, he, he, is, he is our go-to person in understanding what we need to understand and helping them understand what they need to understand about us. So we call him Interface. Now, Beth, I, I believe it was Beth, hers is ground control. Because apparently Beth controls everything. <laughs> Which she does because she controls the money. So she is ground control. So I said to her one day, and I'm listening, you know, as they talk on the radio and all this, and I said, please let me be Major Tom. I want to be Major Tom. Now, for those of you under the age of probably 40 or 45, that won't make any sense at all. But I just wanted to hear one time Beth say, ground control to Major Tom. Now, for those of you who don't know, that's a song that was back, I want to say that came out in the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. We'll leave it there. I know all the older people in here are laughing hysterically on the inside because that's it. But she said no. She said no, that is not your handle. That doesn't even make sense. You are not even Tom. So I waited patiently for my handle, and it came on the last day. Let me give you a, a little insight into this. Beth and Corey have named all the buildings there. We have six buildings in the compound, and they each have a name. And for the life of me, <laughs> even now, as often as she has told them to me, I can't tell you which one, what the names are. But it's like all Bible names, like Adam and... Enoch is the one, I know Enoch because that's the one we're working on. Because that's in all the budget. Enoch this, Enoch that, whatever. Well, because I didn't know the names, I just started calling them Hondo. Hondo 1, Hondo 2. We're working on Hondo 1 right now. Okay, this is Hondo 1. No, it's not. It's Enoch. Okay, you could call it Enoch. I'm going to know it as Hondo. So she said, you know, when you come on this campus, every time you come here, you just change everything. And it's just a whirlwind. We're going to call you Hurricane. We're going to call you Hurricane Hondo. That is your name, Hurricane Hondo. So that is my official title now, Hurricane Hondo. At least we did, yes, at least we got Hondo in there somewhere. So I can remember that. 
But they're doing a phenomenal job. What Beth and Corey have done there and the rest of the team has just been nothing short of extraordinary. And that pales in comparison to what they're about to do. By the way, Nathan now, I think, I think it's been a month now that he's been there, right? Maybe Nate. Nate, sorry. About a month. And he's doing great. I'm not used to seeing him with long hair. I'm used to him just, I thought for sure he'd get there in the 105 degree temperature and think, oh yeah, no, hair's got to go. But when I first got there, he's got this, he's got this whole, what is that warrior look where you take it halfway? I've worn it that way. And I'll tell you what, I never saw Nate look as tough as he did. Right? Am I right, Michael? I, I walk in and I go, okay, okay, all right, the long hair is working. It's fine. No, but they're doing a phenomenal job. And Riley and Nathan, Nathan's beard is about as long as Nate's hair. But I'll tell you what, all five of them are phenomenal people. You have to understand what they've given up to be there. And I know there are others going. You have to know that by following God's will, there's a cost. We talk about that a lot. But you know what? There's something that that cost buys. It buys joy. It buys peace. It buys so many things that we cannot even put a sticker on. And I saw that in their faces. And we got to see so many, so many others. I, I, I don't want to fail to even mention Patsy, who is there permanently. And, and I won't say it on camera yet, but somebody else who she's very close to who will be there permanently soon. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Otherwise, it might get her in trouble. Her, him, whoever. In trouble. But Patsy's there, even though her boyfriend is not. Sorry, Patsy. But they're an awesome team. Tafa, his entire family. They're an awesome team. The boys that are there, the security, they're an awesome team. So when you pray for them, and I hope that you do every day, remember the what their cost purchases, purchases life. And Jesus said life more abundantly. And boy, that's coming. That's coming. I mean, what, what the Lord is doing there is just nothing short of extraordinary. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise you. God, I thank you for the time that Michael and I could spend there. I thank you that we even now, are connected in spirit with our families there. They are here. We are there. We are tied because you are the bond. I pray for them today. Normally I would pray for the heat, but honestly, Lord, it is just as hot here today. But Lord, I pray for the movement. I pray for the intimacy. 
I pray for the combining of two cultures on that campus that is not a natural thing. It can only come from a desire for you. Because you are the one that makes all the difference in the world. Father, I know that you have a word today. My mouth is yours. My will is yours. My mind, my eyes, my hands, my feet. They are all yours. Cleanse me, Father, of anything. Forgive me of anything that would come in the way of you delivering what you want to deliver. We trust you. You overwhelm us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this morning... I mean, literally, two minutes into the first song, I'm standing in the back and I'm just, (laughs) I'm just weeping. And I'm like, Lord, seriously, we're about to do the welcome. Couldn't you have waited till the second song after the welcome? And he laughed. Just just dry your eyes. You'll just look tired. It's okay. So then I thought, I probably shouldn't have said something because, you know, it's like you you don't, (laughs) when the Lord comes with his heavy presence, good night, do not come against that. Do not say, oh, how how about just a little bit from now, Lord? Don't do that. Let people see your emotion. Let them see you cry, who cares? Because when that third or that second song started after the welcome and then the third, it just became overwhelming. You see, there is a shift. He's been telling us about this for a while. But there is a shift that is now taking place that began a couple of weeks ago. And sometimes... If you're not looking close enough, if you're not tied into the Holy Spirit, you're going to not see the evidence of that shift. Because the evidence always comes in the Spirit before it manifests. Always. If you're in tune with Him, you're seeing that shift this morning. You're perhaps seeing that shift even over the last few days. You know, last night the worship team did a worship time at the barn, Holy Spirit night. And I got to watch that live stream and it was just, you could, through the TV, you could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's a shift that's happening. Jesus manifests this morning through Ariel. When, when we were back there, I, I was so compelled to go to my knees. And I went to my knees, and, and then I could sense that she went to her knees. The Lord told me to begin praying for her, and I did. I grabbed her hand, or she may have grabbed my hand, actually. We grabbed hands, put it that way. I'm not sure who, who 
facilitated the first, first one there. But I knew Jesus wanted to manifest through her, and I knew that she was nervous about it. I didn't know he was going to come up here. My selfish mind thought he just came for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he did say some things to me, though. But then he came up here to encourage. Encourage you to believe. Encourage you to never stop believing. Do you know there's no expiration date on faith? Faith is faith. Faith is proved through the time. Right? It's said in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham was found righteous because of his faith. But it wasn't just his faith. It was his enduring faith. His faith that the Bible says in Hebrews 11 built every single day. What an extraordinary testimony to be able to say of someone's life that their faith grew every day and it was never diminished. You just simply believe God. You believe what he said. You believe his promises. He has said recently to us, unless I tell you differently, believe what I've said. doesn't mean that circumstances don't change. Because we do live in a world, we fight in a warfare that is dependent upon choice. If I stand to battle somebody and I know it is to the death, if they choose to not draw a sword, then it is no longer to the death. Do you see what I mean? Although circumstances may change, his promises do not. Methods may change because he has allowed people to make their own choice. He will never force you to believe something, ever. He'll compel you. But he will never force you because he wants it to be you. He wants it to be your choice. Nobody else's. Because that's what's real. Do you know that's what forced me or caused me to weep in that first song? Because I'm looking out over the heads. All Everybody's back of their head. You guys are a good looking group. <laughs> I'm looking out over everybody's head and I'm just seeing the passion. I'm seeing the interjection of each spirit worshiping God. Not caring what the person next to them is doing. Not caring what the group is doing. But connecting personally, individually with God. And them. See, that passion has come from you making a choice. Not me, not me making a choice for you. Oh, you're part of Ignition. You're going to jump up and down and you're going to worship. Follow the ABCs of I look like a Christian. 
doesn't work that way. You know what my job is? My job is to point you to Christ. There he is. And then show you how to connect. Rest is up to you. In fact, it's all up to you. And in this room, there's example after example after example of intimate, passionate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what the shift is? This is what he told me this morning. It's a little more infusion of his Holy Spirit. I asked, well, okay. Can you just dump it? <laughs> just pour it on? I said, no. It has to come in shifts. It has to come in portions. Because this one's not manufactured by the church. This is not an emotion manufactured by the church. This is the raw power of the Holy Spirit that reacts to intimacy with the Father. Each shift, what he is doing is preparing us. Preparing us for more. Preparing us, our physical bodies, our mental capacities, our emotions, to be able to handle more of him. That's what relationship is, by the way. The more we're with him, the more we love him, the more we pour out to him, the more capacity he gives us for him. And we need it. We know he told Moses, you can't even look on me. Because people will die. So turn your back and I'll pass by. That will be hard enough on your physical body. See, because he is purity. He is love. He encompasses the perfection of all of those things. So you want to be close to him? You pursue him at that level. You pursue him, making him the only thing that you pursue. And he'll start planting in your heart other things that he wants you to do. See, it's not about a career. It's not about a spouse. It's not about a choice. It's not about children. It's not about family. It's about him. And then in turn, he begins to give all of that. Do you know that's what the story of Job is all about? It came down to Job and God. Job proving that it was about him and God. Through his obedience, through his purity. Then God gave him the rest sevenfold back. That's where our focus has to be. That's where our focus has to be in this country. Yeah, it's so weird traveling abroad now. <clears throat> I won't say too much about it because we're online, but 
There is a different feeling about our administration overseas now. I sense it certainly where we are in Africa. And for the negative, by the way. They are, they are distraught with how things have gone. But then I sense it in other ways when I travel through Europe. In a very different way. I feel like they have a sense of victory there. It irritates the snot out of me. It really does. But understand what's going on. Understand that there is a righteousness, a purity that is to come to the nations. I I want you to hear something. I want to read something. Um, Turn to... 2 Samuel, chapter 22. David, whom we we know, the first true king, if you will, the first God-chosen king of Israel, the one that God set the bar through, set it really high. That bar was never achieved until that bar was destroyed by Jesus even though Jesus has not taken that throne yet. But David, in his twilight years, he he spoke something here that I I want to read. I want you to get a sense of of what it means. Chapter 23, beginning at verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. didn't say to me. Okay? Recognize this. It, It would be better said, the Spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me this statement. It is as true today as it was the day that the Lord spoke it through him. When one rules justly over men, Ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass sprout from the earth. Let's take the second part of that first, where where it says, when he does this, it's like this him dawning on them like the morning light. This morning I, I was I was had stepped outside. I'd been spending time with the Lord and, and I stepped outside into, into where our driveway is, where I'm doing work. And, and in the morning, that's like the best place to be because it's completely shaded. It's probably 15 degrees cooler there than, than out, you know, in the sun. And I walk out there and it's so clear, so beautiful, nice little breeze coming through. And, and I had only walked out there it really in enough time to, to go get to get to the truck and come here, but but I just had to stand out there for a bit. Because I'm looking and everything just felt different. It felt hopeful. It felt positive. I I don't know where that was coming from, but but all of a sudden now for me, my background is a builder. I, I I, I love to build. I, I'm a creative type person in that way. So 
my mind, when my mind starts to work, it just goes to creative things. How to make something better, or take an old thing, make it better. That's one of my favorite things. Or take something that's a blank canvas and build. Love it. So all of a sudden, my mind's just reeling and going through all these things. And yeah, doing this there, and you know, we desperately need to do our driveway, and blah, 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 and all these things. It became this creative juice. The entire time talking with the Lord, because I had been with the Lord and I've been talking to him this entire time. I began to recognize that the joy of the morning, the joy of seeing all that the Lord is doing, the feelings that I got walking out there. That's what it's talking about in this verse. Boils down to hope. He is our hope. And not just he is our hope in that we're confined and we're jailed and we're being beaten and we're going nowhere and and life is tough and difficult. I mean, he's our hope then too, but that's not what this was and that's not what this verse means. Hope in a better future. Hope in a future being led by him. Hope in being part of a country that is led by men and women that are in intimate relationship with Him. Oh, what a hope. Do you know the hope? I know I felt it. I know many others did. The hope that I felt when Donald Trump took office. Why? Because of him? No. In fact, he wasn't even who I wanted in the first place. So the Lord convinced me otherwise. It wasn't about him. It was about what he stood for. It was about what the Lord wanted to do through him. Oh, I had hope. I had hope. You remember those feelings? What a taste the Lord gave us. It was a hope, and that hope turned immediately into warfare. Remember? But it didn't diminish the hope. It was just that, okay, hope is there. Hope is established. Now we got to fight for it. And we did. Guys, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. We're still in the fight. It only looks like the enemy has victory, but he doesn't. You have to understand the snare that the Lord is putting together. This trap that the Lord is putting together. This is not Satan doing this. It's not. It is the Lord. Because he is luring the enemy into his trap. That trap will be sprung. And there will be godly leadership in this country. It will spread and permeate throughout the world. This is what it looks like when there's godly godly leadership. Let's read it again. He said, when one rules justly over men, 
ruling in the fear of God. He quantified that first statement. He said, when one rules justly over men. Okay, let me, quali- let me qualify and quantify what that means. It means when you rule in the fear of God. When you rule recognizing that God is your ruler. We each do this in our own lives. That's where it begins. But just as the parable of the talents, when he gives gives us little and we steward little well, he gives us more. And then he gives us more. And then he gives us more. As long as we keep the fear of God at the forefront, recognizing who he is, Not displaced from me, like I'm afraid of God, so I'm going to be obedient because I'm afraid of Him. That's not what that means. It means the awe of who He is. The awe of recognizing who He is in relationship. And by the way, it's only relationship that you can truly understand the fear of God. David did. David did. God Himself said, David is a man after my my own heart. Which means he was after his heart to be fashioned after God's heart. That's got to be our goal. And as it is, God, when we steward that properly in our own lives, we start to see that manifest in God giving more and giving more and giving more responsibility. That was what I was weeping over. Because I have seen that in all of you. See, God's not building a church here. We've known that for so long. Boy, if, if, if that's all he was doing, could have done that a whole long, long time ago. What he's building here are leaders. What he's building here are people that understand there is no sacrifice great enough to do his will. I will do his will no matter what. No matter what the cost. Because the benefit is so much more. Because the benefit's him. <laughs> but you know what? That's, that's the personal benefit. That's not the only benefit. Relationship with him does not just benefit your life. It benefits those around you. As you steward well and he puts you in place in charge of things, it begins to benefit those Who you are over. The Bible calls it ruling, but it's really those who you have influence over. Sometimes we're put in places of influence through media. Sometimes we're put in places of influence through appointment. Either way, we're required to steward those positions wisely in the fear of the Lord. And when we do, then a nation is happy. A nation is content. A nation is filled with joy. Does it mean that when godly people lead here in the United States, all of a sudden everybody in the United States will become intimate, born-again Christians that love the Lord? No, of course not. Because they each have their own individual choice. But it does mean that they'll benefit from it. Right? The Bible said, when you bless Israel as a nation, you're blessed. So, 
we as a nation, because we have blessed Israel, because we stand up for Israel, they are an ally to us, we are blessed because of that. It's no different that when we get godly people in leadership here in America, all of America will benefit from that. But those who go against God will not. In fact, they will pay a dear price. Because, see, what Satan wants, he not only wants you not to have a decision or or your own free will, he wants free will forced upon you. That's what's happening in our country now. Freedom of speech. What a joke. It's not freedom of speech anymore. It's freedom of his speech. Satan wants to shut down any freedoms you may have. But I got news for you. He can't. He is no longer in control of this ride. God is. God's luring in all of those who would give their lives to him knowingly or unknowingly. And they are being lured into a trap. See, the Lord has told me there's, I don't know what word to use, there's a confrontation coming. I want to say it's an event, but I think it's more than an event. The visions he's given me, and I shared a long time ago about the Washington Monument, those I would classify as as the event part of it. But there's a confrontation coming. That confrontation is from those who follow the Lord versus those who do not, those who follow other gods. He has shown me that it will be very much like what happened with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. In fact, let's let's turn there. Let's let's go to First uh, Kings chapter eighteen, I believe. Let's let's read through this event. First of all, Elijah. If you haven't really studied him, spend some time and study his life. Really, I mean, beyond a prophet. God does things in his life that, I mean, I I studied for years and never even saw. Never understood the miraculousness of what God did through him. But let's let's begin at verse verse 20. So Ahab, Ahab, who was the king of Israel at that time, sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Uh, Just to back up a little bit, basically Elijah went to Ahab and he said, Gather all the prophets of Baal, gather all the prophets of Ashtoreth, get them all together in Jerusalem, because God has said to do this. So Ahab did. Ahab brought all the, all the prophets together at Mount Carmel. There were, over, there were 450 prophets of Baal and then over 400 prophets of Ashtoreth. 
And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? See, he's, speaking, he's not speaking to the leadership here. He's not speaking to Ahab. Ahab became deaf long ago. He is speaking to the people. He's speaking to the sheep. And he's saying, how long will you just bounce back and forth between God and a false God? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I even, I only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal prophets are 450 men. He's starting to lay out a, a scenario, which by the way, he was wrong and the Lord rebuked him later that he is not the only one left, but he certainly was the only one here against 450. And I, I'm not sure why the 400 prophets of Ashereth weren't, weren't even listed there. I guess, I guess maybe maybe their God wasn't as strong as, as the other God. And I don't know. In, in the people's minds. I don't know. But let two bulls be given to us. And let them choose one bull for themselves. And cut in pieces and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. <laughs> I love that. He's like saying, you call on the name of your God and I'll call on the name of the God. Right? And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. So they agreed. They entered into a contract here. Verse 25, Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first. For you are many. And call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bowl that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. Now, by, by the way, recognize here. Did that mean that their God, Baal, he could not talk? Of course not. Understand what's going on here, because it applies to today. That God, that principality, and we won't, won't go into who that is right now. It's a great study, though. But his voice was silenced by the God. You understand, Baal was not in charge of this. Elijah wasn't in charge of this. Certainly the, the prophets of Baal weren't. Neither was Ahab. Nobody was in charge of this except one. And that was God. That was Yahweh. He was in charge of this entire thing. He silenced the voice of Baal. Did not allow him to engage. Because this was nothing new. They worshipped Baal. They worshipped him. He had shown himself. He had manifested himself so many times. So the reason he couldn't 
This time is because God had stopped it. Because of the showdown of what was coming. Uh, verse 27, and at, at noon, Elijah mocked them. This, man, this is such probably my favorite part. <laughs> Cry louder, for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. I love the ESV because it says it's so dainty. <laughs> the reality is, he's, he starts mocking them. What's going on? Are you not crying loud enough? Can you not hear him? Maybe he's out back behind the barn going to the bathroom. That's literally what he's saying. Imagine the gall of Elijah. I mean, it's not like him and three other people and he's just having a conversation. He is in enemy territory knowing that God had sent him there, knowing that God had ordained this entire thing, he was one against thousands. You know what's extraordinary to me? Is I think he loved it. I think this is the example of the fact that he loved being in the center of God's will. I'm sure he's just looking for a big rock to stand on so I could shout louder. Come on! Certainly! Baal can hear you. Shout louder. Get his attention. What is wrong with you? He's loving this. Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he's musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud. I love it. They took the bait. They took the bait. They cried even louder and cut themselves after their custom with sword and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. I mean, they're just... Well, I'll leave that alone. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Now recognize this. This is not... Recognize what is going on here. This is a warfare in the spirit realm. This is not some little wooden tiki torch that they're expecting to come alive. If that's what you think about the gods that other nations worshipped in the Old Testament, in this case... Ahab and Israel, then you're missing the whole point. See, these were gods. They were not the God. We went through that. Psalm 82 lays it out. There are other gods. And the the word there is talking about divine beings. In the beginning of Psalm 82, it says, Elohim gathered with the other Elohim. I'm not going to go down that road again. I want to encourage you. I did a four-part series on this entire thing that ended just two weeks ago. Go back to the podcast. Look at it. These were principalities. I give you a little hint. Go, go do your study. But Baal is Satan. Baal is Lucifer. That's where we get the, the word Beelzebul and Beelzebub. It came out of Mesopotamia. 
He can speak. <laughs> In fact, he speaks so much, he deceives nations. He manipulates people. He has the capability of bringing fire. They were not expecting some little wooden tiki torch that Joe the carpenter carved out the Friday before to come alive. They were expecting the God in whom, in whom they serve, which is Beelzebub, to come alive, to show his strength. But he couldn't. Because he was up against someone that was greater than him. Someone that was greater than any other being ever. And that is Yahweh. Yahweh silenced him. Verse 30, then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. In other words, pay attention. You have seen what Baal could do. Now pay attention. Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. That had been thrown down earlier, years earlier. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two seas of seed. Which I have no idea how big that is. And if, if you do research on it, they're all over the place. So there's no real accurate understanding of how, that, how big that is. But we have an idea when he goes to fill them. Which we'll, we'll see here in a second. And he put the wood in order and cut the balloon pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the waters ran around the altar and filled the trench also with the altar. You need to understand in studying something's going on here. Something is going on that Elijah is doing that you'll miss if, if you don't really, really look at it and let the Holy Spirit speak to you on this. What he was offering was a request for forgiveness. A request for each tribe. See, he took four jars filled three times. There were four jars of water poured out over that altar. Poured out, showing the rejection and the, the sin of Israel. Literally heaping upon what would normally be a fire that would never light. I mean, think about this. You ever try and light fire on water? I mean, without maybe pouring gas on it or something? It doesn't work. It doesn't happen. I mean, those of you who have been with us at creation, you know what it's like when the wood gets wet. <laughs> There's not going to be a fire until you can get something dried out. So imagine what's going on here. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, and it's so simple, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel 
and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Remember who's in control of this. This was not Elijah's idea. This was the Lord that directed him to do it. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their backs, or turned their hearts back. Verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust. I'm not sure how hot fire has to be to consume stones, but it had to be awfully hot. I, I, I don't know what the degrees is to melt iron, you know, which is a stone, but it's ridiculously hot. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Really, get, get this picture in your mind. Because this is coming. I don't know if it'll look exactly like this. I have no idea. But it's coming. There is a confrontation coming. And it is in the spirit realm. That's where the war is. Just like this was a war between Yahweh showing Baal had no power. It'll be the same, but it will manifest physically. This showdown will be seen by all. I don't know if it will be just a national thing here or if it'll be a global thing. I have no idea, although in today's technology, everybody will see it. I don't know the particulars of what it means, but I do know that God is going to show his hand. He is going to show who he is. He is going to show who those are that are passionate for him, that love him. And the whole reason for it is to bring a leadership to this country and to the globe that would follow him. You know, we look at this and, and we think, how in the world's God going to do that? You know, imagine going up against armies. You know, let, let's say that in this room we were the only people. Now, we're not. But let's say we were the only people that were like Elijah. Elijah thought he was the only one, right? Let's, let's assume for a second that we're the only one. Are we going to stand? Are we going to stand when God says to stand? Well, but God could never use me in that capacity because that's like superhero stuff. You know, maybe if I was part of the Avengers and I had this cool suit that I could fly around in, maybe I could do it then. Do you know there are characters in the Bible that outdo Hollywood I mean, Hollywood, honestly, they just would have done better if they would have just followed the Bible. There would have been just so much more reality. I mean, you know, here, let's go back. Let me show you one. This, this will blow your mind. You probably heard this, but maybe not. Let's go back to where we were uh, with David. 
2 Samuel 23. Because just after that, talks about David's mighty men. You ever hear about these guys? Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know about you. I, I grew up, I, it, my dad was in the Marine Corps. I grew up a, a military brat. We, we, were, we, we lived on, on uh, base until I was, I think, five or something like that. And uh, it, it, I was just military. I remember going, when I'd go to school on base, we would have to sing the Marine Corps National Anthem every time we went through the gate. We're five years old, singing it as loud as we could, right? And it wasn't like, oh, we have to do this. It was the coolest thing in the world. All I wanted to do growing up, I, I well, I wanted to do a lot of things, but I wanted to be in the military. I wanted to, to go into the teams. I wanted to either SEAL team, which would have probably destroyed my father because it was Navy. He's Marine Corps. Or, okay, Dad, I'll, I'll, I'll go air recon because that's Marine Corps special teams. That's fine. That's what I wanted to do. Because I had this idea that, that there can be real superheroes. Now, maybe not ones that fly in these jetpack suits or, or turn green and three times the size. That would be pretty cool, by the way. Hulk was always my favorite. But I knew there could be heroes, these superheroes that would decide to do good no matter what. You, know, you ever hear that? I've shared before my, my life song is called The Impossible Dream. Right? Have you guys ever heard that? If you haven't, go enlighten yourself. It's not even a Christian song, but it is phenomenal. It's to dream of this thing that you couldn't do of your own accord that had to be done by God through you. And that, that's what I wanted. You know what? There's superheroes sitting right here. No different than David's mighty men. You know, before David became king, he had these 600 that literally tore up the countryside. I mean, just read it. Just read it. Go throughout David's life and see the ridiculous things that he did. I mean, insane things. This gives you a little idea. He had, he had 600 of his fighting men. Within those 600, there were 30 that were the elite. Within the 30, there were three. And these three... I mean, they, they, they would put any of the Avengers to shame. Let's read. These are the names, verse 8 of chapter 23. These are the names of the mighty men of David, whom David had. I'm going to just blister these names probably, but Joshua, the something, the tech Mennonite. We're just going to call him Josh. Okay, there was Josh. He was the chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. Okay, I don't know about you, but this would make John Wick look bad. I am neither approving nor endorsing any movie that approves of the killing of Hollywood stuntmen. But think about it. 
hundred people in one shot. Now, that's not because he had a machine gun. That's not because he had some weird powers where he would go, and they would all just die. No, this is with a sword and a spear. In fact, in this case, it's just a spear. You ever work with a spear? I, I have spears that I, I was given ceremonially from in Nigeria, and, and, and I, I brought some back. I gave some to Carson, which I don't even know how they let me in the hospital that time that I did that. <laughs> but, you know, this spear is about, about as tall as me, maybe six foot. I'm, I'm six four, so it may be right around there. And this guy killed 800 people with him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's a person. He's a normal person. He he was not Nephilim. In fact, that's who they fought. You know, I find it extraordinary that he fought with David. It never said David did that. But they fought under the authority of David. How did David have the authority to kill like these men killed? It was because of Goliath. He claimed that authority over the Raphaim, over the Nephilim, over the Anakin, when he took the life of Goliath. He willingly did it because the Lord had called him, just as a young boy. I'm sure he had no idea at that time in his life that by doing that, God is giving him the authority and would be raised up these men around him that would be these superheroes with insane powers, if you want to call it that, with a sword and, and with a spear. 800 in one shot. You know, and he was only one of them. Let's go a little further down. Verse 9, and next him among the three mighty men was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, son of Elohi, or Elohi. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought a great victory that day and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. Okay, recognize what's going on here. They're in battle, in battle with the Philistines. And Israel, all of Israel retreats. And this guy is like, oh no, not on my watch. See, he was willing to give his life. I'm sure he thought his life was going to be taken. I'm sure he's like praying, Lord, just, just like that, that, uh, that medic. You know, that saved all those guys. Lord, just give me one more. Just give me one more. <gasps> give me one more, Lord. Just give me one more. What? One more, Lord. Just give me one more. He's out there. He's standing alone for Israel that had already retreated. And he said, no, you will not take this because this is God's land. And he fought. Now, it doesn't give any numbers here, but this was the second guy, and the third guy was 300. So I'm guessing it's somewhere between three and 800 in one shot. These were just examples. Let, let's, let's look at this third guy. And next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines, but he took his stand in the midst 
of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory. There's Maybe it was the, the next guy that did the 300. I'm not going to take time to read through the whole thing here, but the point is, well, no, let's read this one, verse 13. And, the, and three of the 30 chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave, cave of Adullam. When a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Raphaim, which, by the way, the valley of Raphaim was known for the Nephilim. It was known for those who who were originally described in Genesis 6. Again, I won't. if, if you want to know more about that, go, go back and listen. Uh, uh, David was then in the stronghold in the garrison of the Philistines, was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of the Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried and brought it to David. But he would not drink it. He poured it out of the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at the risk of their own lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. Okay, Understand what's going on here. They did not sneak in there like like ninjas. Okay, we'll sneak in. We'll scoop up some water and go. No, it said they busted in. <laughs> you know what? If we watched a movie about this, we would say that's just so fake. <laughs> and yet, that's exactly what happened. They busted in. Why? Why? Because. The Philistines just all needed to die or they were taking their families. Or No, David wanted a drink of water from a well. That's why they went in there. They went in there because they loved him with their entire lives. This is one of the most amazing pictures of unity. That's the unity he wants for the bride. That's the unity he wants for you and I says in John 15 that the greatest thing you can do for a friend is to give your life. The greatest thing. Oh man, these guys. I want three of these guys. How awesome. How awesome that is. These superheroes that God then worked through to do extraordinary things. Imagine. Just think about it for a second. Imagine you're the enemy. You're like number 750 and you're seeing all these guys just die in front of you. I, I, I would think by that time, I'm thinking, I'm not going to be of the 800. I'm going to just turn around and run. Because nothing's stopping this guy. Be like a whirlwind. Or the second guy who, who fought so long when, it, when it, said, it said the grip on his sword, he couldn't even let loose. It was plastic. His his hand was so clasped to it that he couldn't even let go. They had to help him let go. He was so tired, and yet the grip was so strong. See, that's how we have to feel 
with God. As we're moving forward in our calling, we have to have a grip that won't let go. Right now, when we see these things happening in our country that are opposite of what we think, certainly opposite of what God wants, grip tighter. Swing harder. Let your fight be known. Let it be known. Do not cower down. Do not be soft. Do not silence your voice. Open up your voice. Let those around you know your opposition. Not that you oppose them. But you believe God. There is a change coming to this country. Oh, I wish he'd give me timing. I really do. I can't tell you timing. But there's a confrontation coming and there's change coming that will change the face of the earth because it will be God who does it. It will be him that brings the change. Will you be one of those superheroes? Will you trust that he can do it through you? Yeah, he can and he will. But you know what's even more powerful? When we band together, in unity together, with Jesus right in the middle, I fear for any who come up against the living God. Because we are coming to a time in history where he will no longer be silent. He will no longer stay behind the scenes. Because, see, it's time. It's time for the bride to rise up. Alex, come on up. need a minute to adjust to the other microphone for the online. Sometimes it cuts out there. I just want to give you. We're going to pray. And um, the ladies this morning uh, were taught by Bryn. And it was interesting how similar some of the concepts were. And there was a, um, it's a quote by a different pastor, but she used it in a blog. And I want to just read this quote before I pray that really struck me. As far as what Greg said this morning, Satan does not respect your stage presence, education, or tactics. He knows a prayerless poser. He only retreats before men and women who have been to Gethsemane. And if we have a hope or a prayer to be even close to David's mighty men, God's mighty army rising up, It comes through surrender. The enemy sees beyond our church face. He sees beyond the ways that we speak and act. And man, what did the Lord say today in the word through Ariel? People are going to know who you are by what you say, by how you act, by what you do. And all will be revealed. And the enemy only will retreat before the authenticity. He won't 
He will not retreat. Some of us, maybe in this room online, have such struggles in our lives. And we think that we can just start screaming, Jesus, yes, the, the name of Jesus is so mighty and so powerful. But you really want breakthrough? It is going to come through a laid down life. That intimidates the enemy. Absolute surrender. Knowing who your God actually is in deed, not just in word and in faith. That is a terrifying thing to the enemy. And that's really what the Lord is looking for, for those amazing results that Greg spoke of this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are so holy. You are so mighty. Thank you for the worship time we had today. Thank you, God, that, oh, God, I thank you that I, I, I know the hearts even here were pouring out to you with their own worship. That is what you are looking for. You are not just looking for an external falling into line, um, how to live the Christian life so that people think you're on track. But, God, you want the real, actual worship. You want our poured out life when nobody is looking. And God, I thank you that you are worthy of it. You are worth it. Thank you, God, for who you are. Lord, I pray that we would be that army rising up. God, that we would be, um, and, and, and not just separate those, the, the Elishas as, as something different than what we can be. God, depending on how you call us, Lord, every one of us, can have the strength to stand at a moment of showdown. And I pray that you would open our eyes to see, God, the choice is upon us. This this line in the sand has been drawn. We cannot teeter in the middle, back and forth. We have to choose. God, give us the strength. Thank you for your love. Thank you that what we spend in the cost, as Bryn shared with the ladies, Thank you that the giving up of everything, our children, our wives, our husbands, our families, our jobs, our hopes, our dreams, everything laid before you is so worth it. That the return on that cost is not only blessing, all spiritual blessings, and blessings in ways we could never imagine, but it's getting you so there's really never a lost, a, a lost Lord. And I thank you for that. Help us to recognize the kingdom eyes that you've given us and that you expect us to see by faith, God. Because it's just the only way. I pray that it won't take so much more peril in our personal lives that, that has to bring a, a, a difficult wake up. But no matter what, Lord, you are good. No matter what we see around us, all the things Psalm 91 describes that's so difficult, so challenging, God, we are under the shadow of the Almighty when we are walking and abiding in you, in that secret place, that intimacy place. And I just thank you. God, I, I just could go on and on about the praise you deserve. But I thank you for this word this morning. What an exciting, amazing Bible you've given us to draw from, God, the, just the great stories. And 
open our eyes to see truth today. And, and we just give you all the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. amen. I'm just going to give a couple of quick announcements.